Thank you, brother. You may be seated. I invite you to take your Bible and turn to the book of Acts. We're going to start in Acts chapter 1. Make your way to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1. And as you make your way there, uh, as we mentioned last Sunday, today is what we're calling Pathway Sunday. And it is a, uh, the day that I share with you and conversate what what the Lord has led in conversations for us to consider uh, the pathway that we're going to take in 2023, the emphasis we're going to concentrate on. And I kind of hinted at it last week that uh, I I don't so much buy into a lot of what passes for church leadership these days in that uh, what is often called vision casting. Uh, that's, That's the phrase that you hear often, vision casting and you know, you, they'll go to the proverb that says, without a vision, the people perish. And they'll kind of take that out of context to say, this is why we have to have a plan. And it has to be my plan. And you have to follow my plan. This is the vision. I've casted it. We need to do it. Uh, I, as I mentioned last week, I, I find that, number one, I struggle with that. Because uh, I, I find that it's often very uh, pragmatic and focused. Um, I feel as though the Lord has already given us much of the vision that we're looking for in the Word. Uh, He's told us what we are to do and how we are to do it. Um, And so there's really two ways that this vision casting sermons come across. Number one, it's we have the biblical vision, but here are some specific ways we're going to accomplish it. But then there's the other type uh, that's really just kind of an ego-based you know, glory-seeking type of grow our church, make our church name great type of vision casting, or or the pastor's name is great. Uh, And, uh, but then there's really, I said there's two kinds, but there's a third kind, which is probably my favorite. I always get a chuckle. It's It's the vision casting that's literally just a play on numbers, you know, Like the only thing that kind of goes into it is it's 2023, so we're going to have 20 baptisms, we're going to have 23 events, we're going to have $2,023 given to this, and you know, it's like just just playing with the numbers on what year it is. And I want to, to say all that to say that I'm not faulting guys that do that, I'm not saying that's just not how I think is a good way for one in a church like ours. Um, and, and I also don't really buy into it because as I mentioned last week, uh, the first time I ever did that kind of a rookie mistake, the first time I ever did that, I did much of that and, and communicated it to it. And then COVID happened. Uh, and so the Lord kind of showed me, you know, a man plans his steps, but the Lord directs his path and his way. And so I, I feel like a, a better approach is for us to think of the Christian life and church life as we're all traveling together. And, and my goal this morning is to point out this trail that goes off to the side, ultimately connects back to the main trail, but, but we want to walk this one trail. We want to emphasize this pathway this year. It's not to say that the other pathways are unimportant. We're just going to have a concerted effort and focus on one of these pathways. And the pathway that I want us to consider walking down is the pathway of prayer. In 2023, I would love for Poplar Spring Baptist Church to consider what it means to have a renewed emphasis, a renewed focus on prayer. When we think about prayer 
It is something that often goes unnoticed. It goes neglected. And I think one of the big things that churches struggle with, that believers struggle with, is we know the importance of prayer. We know we ought to pray. And yet, we, we still fall short. And I want to introduce a phrase to you this morning. It's a Latin phrase. Uh, it's, it, if you want to, let's say this all together. I'll say it, then you say it. It's esse quam videri. All right? So, esse quam videri. You see, you spoke Latin. Congratulations. So, when you go to lunch today, you know, and somebody asks, how was church? You see, I spoke Latin. They'll be impressed. Uh, you may not know this, but that's actually the state motto of North Carolina. And the, what it translates to is to be rather than to seem. And when it comes to prayer, I feel like many churches and many Christians want to seem about prayer. We want to talk about prayer. We want to learn about prayer. We want sermons on prayer. We want to read books on prayer. We want to seem to be a church that prays instead of being a church that prays. And being believers who labor in prayer. And so I think one of the greatest dangers in the Christian life and in the church life is the reverse of the motto. If we're not careful, many of us live by seeming rather than being. And so I want us to consider what it looks like to be a church that is a praying church. Not just appears to pray, but actually prays. Spurgeon the great Baptist, English Baptist preacher said, If God has said much about prayer, it is because we have such a great need of it. So deep are our necessities that until we are in heaven, we must not cease to pray. And we would all agree with that statement. And we see the importance of prayer in the life of Jesus. When Jesus goes to the temple and he's turning over tables, what does he say? He says, My house shall be called a house of what? A house of prayer. And so we desperately need prayer individually. We, we would all acknowledge that. I think nobody is arguing that we, should, we don't need prayer. But we need prayer not just individually, but corporately as the body of Christ. And when we look at the early church, I think what we'll see is they valued prayer. They made prayer a priority because as we look in Acts, we find that there are many references to prayer in the book of Acts, references to prayer are made at least 25 times. So in the book of Acts, you have 25 mentions of prayer. And what I find interesting about this is, I think we all know, rightfully so in some sense, that churches look to the book of Acts as like a blueprint for how to do church. And there are places where that can get you in trouble because you have to understand that we can't, and we're not even necessarily called to do everything the early church did in the book of Acts. But what's interesting about this desire to imitate the, the early church is oftentimes what I see, and this is just anecdotal, but maybe you've seen it too. What I've seen is what people want is the power of the early church. They want the growth of the early church. They want that explosive expansion. They want to see God doing all these great things. But at the same time, they will wholly ignore how prayer is woven through the book of Acts. In fact, I would suggest that what ties the book of, of Acts together, what is the thread that weaves it together? 
It's that the early church was a praying church. So much so that apart from the holy, self-denying trust in God which manifests itself in prayer, there would have been no power in the early church. And so many of the churches today want to reproduce the work of the Spirit of God in Acts, but, but there's an unwillingness or an inability, or inability to pray. We, we want the shortcut. That's what it boils down to. We want the power, but the power was not in the early church. It was not the early church that had the power. It was the Spirit of God, and the way you get the Spirit of God to move is you pray. And there was power in their prayer. Now, you might think, if prayer is such an important element, why is it only mentioned 25 times in the book of Acts? That's a fair question, right? 28 chapters, only, I mean, if you just divided it up, that's not even one mention per chapter, right? But it's, it's kind of like one author has said, the, the only good shoe is a shoe that you don't notice, right? Prayer is woven through the book of Acts enough that we know that it's there, but it's it's there in the background. It's there. And I think that teaches us something. Because often we think the type of prayer that moves God is the prayers that happen up here. The public prayers. The prayers are in front of everybody. But what moves God's hand are the prayers that nobody sees. The prayers that aren't mentioned or heard by anybody but God. And so prayer is on the background of every page in the book of Acts. And so while it may be like a good shoe that you don't notice, I think in the book of Acts you can still hear the footsteps of prayer throughout the book as you walk through the book of Acts that demonstrates its importance. So this morning, I want us to survey a few passages in the book of Acts, and I want to share uh, four prayers that I have, and I want us to pray for our church in 2023 concerning prayer. And so here's how the rest of the the message is going to go. There's going to be four prayers... There's going to be three practicalities. There's going to be, uh, back up, hang on, sorry. There's going to be four prayers, three practicalities, two warnings, and one encouragement. All right? So four prayers for us in 2023, three practicalities. How are we going to do this? Two warnings, two things I want you to, to be aware of. And then one great encouragement. So what are, my, what are the four prayers for Poplar Spring based on the book of Acts? Well, number one, I would ask us to pray that we would be united through prayer. That we would be united through prayer. If you look in Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 14, it says that they were all continually united in prayer along with the women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. There is a unity that comes when the church prays together. Praying together unites our hearts before the throne of God in such a way that there is a unity there. When we're meeting in God's presence together, and I'm there, and you're there, and we're all there, and we're only there because of Jesus, there's a unity And the early church had this unity. And notice it's a unity that is after Jesus has ascended into heaven. So the the unity that we have as the body of Christ, Jesus was here on earth. There was a unity in him. He ascends into heaven. So how do we have that same unity as a body? It's through prayer. Prayer is the spiritual equivalent 
of Jesus being here on earth among his disciples. And so when we pray as a church, we are united together, but it also means that it unites us. Now, I'll be the first to say, I don't think we have a grave issue with division at Poplar Spring. Bless God, we don't have something like that. But that doesn't mean we can't be more united. It doesn't mean that we can't seek God's face together. So my prayer is that we would be united through prayer, that we would find a common purpose and a common aim in prayer. But what's the second prayer? It's not just that we would be united through prayer, but may we be guided through prayer. Skip down to verse 24. So we all know what happened to Judas, right? Judas took his life. They, we needed, uh, the early church needed another apostle, another disciple to take his place. And so what do they do? Verse 24, then they prayed. So there was a decision that needed to be made in the church. And this is an important decision. This is who's going to be one of the 12 apostles. Now, did they go to the library in Jerusalem and check out an idiot's guide to church leadership? No. They prayed. They asked the Lord for wisdom. And so they were guided through prayer. Let's skip over to Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Another description of the early church. In Acts 2.42, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So they devoted themselves to the word of God. They devoted themselves to truth. It says they devoted themselves to the fellowship. They met together. And then it says to the breaking of bread, the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. So you have preaching, truth, Lord's Supper, meeting together. We would all say those are important. And then it's prayer. And if we're, if we're honest, for many churches, and maybe for many of us, prayer is the redheaded stepchild of this family. No offense to redheads or stepchildren. Okay? But what's interesting about this is that it says, you devote your, they devoted themselves to the teaching. It's the teaching. They devoted themselves to the fellowship. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. And in the original language, it says it devoted themselves to the prayer. And what does it mean by saying the prayer? That's kind of a strange way of putting it. It means that they had a set aside, devoted time just to prayer. They made it a priority that they would pray together. When they met for worship. Because right, these are all elements of worship, right? Preaching, teaching, being together in the same room, the Lord's Supper, celebrating it together, and praying together. So not only were they united through prayer in both of these passages, but they were guided through it. This is what, as they heard the scriptures taught, and as they learned, and as they broke bread, and as they were with one another... Prayer was what guided them through all of that. And so my prayer for us in 2023 is that we would be guided through prayer. Yes, you personally, that you would pray and, and seek God's face and wisdom, but also that we as a church, the church that, that God would have us to be and how he would have us to do, that we would be guided through prayer. 
I don't want our elders. So, so let me put it this way. If the elders and the deacons are going to meet and you say, Jason, what do you want them to do in that meeting? If you came to me and, and you said we had a two-hour meeting, we prayed for an hour and a half, and then we discussed business for 30 minutes and we ran out of time and we had to dismiss, that would be perfectly fine with me. The reality is, listen, we can accomplish more in 10 minutes of prayer than we can in 10 years of planning. And so I pray that we'll be guided through prayer. But not just that, but I think in both of these, in Acts 1.14 and Acts 1.24, we see that God also provided through prayer. And so my prayer is that we would be provided for through prayer. And we see this show up again in Acts chapter 6. If you flip over to Acts chapter 6, you know this is the the passage where the deacons in the early church, the, the office of deacon is established. And it says in verse, uh, uh, verse 4, the elders, the apostles say, we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word, right? And that proposal, verse 5, pleased them. But then it goes to verse 6, it says, they had the deacon stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the early church had a need, and God provided through prayer. And so there are things that we're asking the Lord to do in 2023 at Poplar Spring, and it's, it's very easy to try to manufacture those results instead of relying on God to produce the results that we're looking for. And so I pray that we would be provided for through prayer. I, I want us to consider that whenever something arises in the church, that our initial response is not to try to fix it ourselves, but that we would pause and pray. That we would ask the Lord to work it out. So may we, may we be provided for through prayer. But then the fourth prayer that I'm praying for us is found in Acts chapter 16. Skip over to Acts chapter 16, verse 25. It says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. So my fourth prayer is that we would be delighted through prayer. There is a, there is a place for going to God in prayer and seeking His resources and His provision. There is a time and a place for asking God to unite us, to guide us, and provide for us. But more than anything, I think my prayer for us in 2023 is that we would be delighted through prayer. That through prayer, our joy in the Lord would increase. You notice, if you know the context of Acts 16.25, where are Paul and Silas when they're praying and singing? When they're delighting in prayer, where are they? They're in prison. They have been thrown in jail. The prisoners are listening to them. But yet they're praying and singing songs. They're having a worship service in the jail cell. And so that type of delight in prayer cannot be faked. 
it cannot be uh, when, when something like that happens, it reveals what you're relying on and what you're trusting. And so my prayer is that we'll be united through prayer, guided through prayer, provided through prayer, and that we would be delighted through prayer. That we would come to the end of really 2023 convinced that we're never going to go back to the, the prayer life that we had where it was hit or miss, but we, we get such joy that we would know no matter what comes, we're, we're going to pray. So those are the four prayers, right? So what are the three practicalities? How are we going to do this? Well, in 2023, I hope that we can build regular rhythms of prayer into the life of our church, and there are a couple ways I want us to do that. Probably first and foremost is that each month, on the last Sunday of the month, we're going to do two things. Number one, we're going to have a sermon and a service focused on prayer. You remember last year we went through the series, the, the subject series on the church, and we had you know seven or eight consecutive weeks on the doctrine of the church. Well, what we're going to do in 2023 is break up that series on prayer, and we're going to sprinkle it out through the rest of the year. So the last Sunday of every month, we're going to have an emphasis on prayer in the morning. And then at night, I'd like for us to meet at 4 p.m. to pray. We're not going to teach. We're not going to sing. We're coming to pray. Now, I choose that time, 4 p.m., for two reasons. Number one, hopefully, uh, for, for those of you who feel uncomfortable traveling at night, I totally understand. We want to make it at a time where you feel comfortable being here and so that you can be here. I, I think even on the darkest day in December, uh, around 5 o'clock, it was still light enough that, that you'd get home in time before it was too dark. So that's, that's one reason. But then also at 4 p.m., I, I want us to meet at a time uh, that, that is ideal for what it is that we want to do. You know, before dinner, before things at night, you know, before you're getting settled down, uh, you know, before Monday. And so we want to meet at 4 p.m. on the last Sunday of every month to pray. And I want to say this about that, okay? Because I had a conversation with several people just floating the idea out there. And, and I, want to, I want to make some, I don't want to say disclaimers, but I just want us to be very frank for a moment. If you have parents of young children, probably the first thought you had was, what will I do with my children? And here's what I want to tell you. Bring them. Bring them. Number one, it will not harm them to see a church praying together. To be a part of a, of a body of believers gathering together simply to pray. I think that will teach them a tremendous amount about what they ought to expect from church when they grow up. But here's the second thing. I don't care if you bring your kids and they're loud, they're noisy, if you think it's going to be a distraction. You know, because as I thought about this, I, I imagine some conversations, some, some of you parents saying, I don't want my kids to be disruptive. I don't want them to be you know, distracting, you know, because we're trying to pray and, and it needs to be quiet and solemn. Let me ask you a question. When your loved one is in the hospital and nurses are coming out and there's the constant beeping and you're exhausted and you've slept in a chair for three nights, is it so chaotic that you don't find time to pray then? No. 
when, when you are getting ready to deal with something extremely stressful and your heart feels like it's about to leap out of your chest. And so let's be honest. We, we need to be able to have the muscle to pray even when the room's not quiet. Even when it sounds like there's a hurricane going on outside. Right? So, so please bring your children and if you're someone who thinks that's still going to be a distraction for me, let me say, I hear you, I understand, but I think this will be good for you too. If you feel like you can only pray when everything's quiet, um, this, will be a, a, this will be a safe place for you to develop some prayer muscles in praying while everything else around you may be chaotic. Okay? So please don't don't not come because you, you don't want your kids to be a distraction or a disruption. Please, this, this is something that, that I want us to, to be genuine and, and real about. Um, in fact, I thought about saying this. How about this? How about we make an agreement uh, that if you bring your children and they're disruptive... And if they're loud, I don't even like saying if they are disruptive. If Let's just put it this way. How about this? If you bring your children and they act like children, right? It's not a bad or, or good if, if they're like children. I, I want us to, every time we meet together, if, if there's a child or whatever, we're going to pray for that child to come to know the Lord. We're, we're going to pray for that child. So, so if we're in here praying and we hear somebody screaming out in the hallway... The next, the next time that we pray, we're going to pray. Whoever that child is, the parent will probably know. You can tell your kids, right, their screams. We're going to pray for that child to, to know Jesus, to love Jesus, to, to grow up, to serve Jesus. So bring your children, and they're going to get prayed for. So that's what I want us to do. The last Sunday of every month, we're going to pray, uh, talk about prayer. We're going to meet to pray. Uh, so that's one, one rhythm that we're going to build into our life. All right? So there's a, a second practicality. One of the things I want to do is I want to ask our small groups and our Bible studies to devote one meeting a month to prayer. So uh, just pray. Like I know, I know many of you get together, you, just, you discuss the sermons, and, uh, and I, I think that's great. Uh, but maybe take... Uh, one Sunday, because I know, I know some of our small groups meet on Sunday afternoons and Sunday evenings, and so if you want to continue that and pray with us while we're here at the same time, so I, I'm not trying to impose our Sunday morning to cut into small groups, uh, but if, if you're not going to come, then, then devote that Sunday to prayer as well. So that's the second way, our Bible studies, whether it's the women, whether it's uh, whatever small group to devote a meeting to prayer once a month. And the third way is that we're going to continue to make valuable quality resources on prayer available. A couple months ago, we gave out a book on praying the Bible. We have several copies left. We have people that are here now that weren't here then. If you want a copy of that, come see me uh, after the service uh, or ask uh, somebody if if. You can get a copy of that, and we'd be happy to get you that. Uh, but we're going to be constantly putting resources in front of you to help you develop your prayer life. Uh, and and uh, 
and grow in your prayer life. All right. So those are the three practicalities. What are the two warnings? The two warnings that I want to give concern the goal and the motivation of what we're doing. The goal and the motivation. The goal... The goal of of an emphasis on prayer is not to fix all the things that we might perceive are wrong with the church. Number one. Uh, Whatever it is, whether it's we, we need more volunteers, whether it's we need more giving, whatever you might perceive as the problem or a problem, this emphasis is not simply we're going to talk about prayer so that we can kind of twist God's arm into doing what we need him to do here. And so here's, what, here's, here's another way to think of it. If you think there's something that the church needs changed, something that, that should be improved or whatever, okay, it's entirely possible that after this year, the church organizationally, whatever, will look exactly the same. The, but the goal is that you won't be the same. So we may have the same needs at the end of the year. But my hope is that by focusing on prayer, the church may not change, but you'll be changed. And so that's one part of the goal that we want to focus on. But the other part of this this goal that I want us to mention is that the goal is to grow you in your prayer life and Uh, So another warning I want to give is your motivation. Your motivation. The motivation for prayer ought to be love, not guilt. Thomas Aquinas puts it this way. Prayer is the voice of desire. Prayer is the voice of desire. Let's start with love. The motivation to pray the desire to grow in prayer, to be love for God and love to spend time with Him. In his uh, letters, it's a book really, but in his book, The Screwtape Letters, written by C.S. Lewis, if you, if you know what the Screwtape Letters are, they are the letters, the imaginary letters, of a senior demon, uh, an uncle, to his nephew demon, on how to trip up a believer in the different aspects of the Christian life. And if you read them, they're, they're, they're funny, but they're also very serious and applicable. And in one chapter, the senior demon to the subordinate demon says, all right, here's how you distract them from prayer. And he says, first of all, the best kind of, the best kind of way to do it is non-existent prayer. Make him so busy that he doesn't have time to pray. But then it also says lazy prayer is good. We'll take, uh, you know, uh, C.S. Lewis gives an example, but, but instead of that deep, like, personal prayer, he, the, the demon says, you know, if you can keep him to just saying, you know, God is great, God is good, let us thank him for our food, by his hands we are fed, give us, Lord, our daily bread, amen. If you can just keep him at that level, that's fine, too. So kind of a, a lazy, childish, um, unfervent prayer. But then the demon says, or, you know, if he can just get him to be selfish in prayer. Pray for only what he wants, only for the things that he desires. Make himself the focus of his own prayers, and you should do fine. 
And so if we're not careful, we can have those kinds of motivations or we can be distracted and we can allow ourselves to um, don't underestimate how even me and you can go this whole year on prayer. Don't underestimate how easy it could be to go through this whole year without growing in prayer. You listening to me talk about prayer is not the same thing as you praying. Don't go the whole year failing to grow in your prayer life. And so we've had the four prayers, the three practicalities, the two warnings, your motivation, and your goal. But then I want to give you one great encouragement, one great reason to pray. And this isn't groundbreaking or earth-shattering. It's really very simple. Prayer is one of the chief blessings of your salvation. The Bible says that God is holy and just and perfect. The Bible says we've also sinned. And because of our sin, we've been separated from Him. We don't have fellowship with Him. We don't have communion with Him because of our sin. And apart from Christ, there is no genuine relationship. But the Bible also says that God so loved the world that He sent His only Son. And Jesus comes and He lives a perfect life. He dies on the cross. And on the cross, He takes the punishment for your sin. He dies the death that you should have died. He bears the wrath of God towards your sin, and he buries it. And then he raises to life three days later, and he ascends into heaven, and he opens up the way for us. And so now there's this great open access unto us, and prayer is the enjoyment of what Christ has done in opening a way for us. Prayer is to take what Jesus has done and appropriate it for ourselves. Prayer is a foretaste of heaven. Prayer is the tangible enjoyment of what Christ has done. And it is an enjoyment with the one who did it, Christ. When, when you pray, brothers and sisters, when you pray, you are going into the presence of the one who made going into the presence possible when you pray you are in the presence of almighty God and your savior Jesus Christ sometimes we think of prayer as we have to shoot an arrow or we have to catapult or we have to essentially force God to hear us but when we understand prayer as it really is, we understand every time we pray, Christ is there beside us. We think of God as this, this armored vehicle that we have to assail in order to get him to open up and hear us. But there's a man by the name of George Herbert who puts it this way. He has a poem that he talks about prayer and he says that every prayer is like the spear in the side of Christ. Think about that. When you pray, 
He is there and He is open up to you. The gospel, this good news of Christ's death on our behalf, His resurrection, His ascension, the salvation that we have, the chief, the best, the most beautiful and glorious enjoyment of that good news is that we would pray. So one great encouragement to pray is what Christ has done for you. So in 2023, we're going to be talking about prayer a lot. We're going to be praying a lot. We're going to be seeking God's face together. And I'm excited to see what God does through that. If nothing else, we will build into our lives habits, rituals even, rhythms of prayer, both individually and corporately. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. Uh, even now, coming to you in prayer, God, is a, a tremendous joy. It's a tremendous privilege to be, God, to join in the saints who have gone before and the angels who are around your throne and to come into the presence of, of our Father through Christ by the Spirit God, as the distance between heaven and earth collapses. God, it is my prayer for your people and for myself that in 2023, it would be a year where we walk down the pathway of prayer together. Where we would encourage one another to pray. Where we would pray for one another. Where we would pray in such a way that we would see you work and know that only God could do something that big. And Lord, that we would not start 2024 the same people with the same type of prayer life as we have today. Thank you, Jesus, for opening the way for us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.